Well, good morning. You can respond to that. Good morning. How is everyone? Good? Hey, uh, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you are, are a guest with us this morning, welcome. My name is Blake Hilgenfeld, and I'm a covenant member here at Providence Road, and we are very grateful and thankful that you're here with us this morning. As Vicki said, we have been going through the book of John, and we find ourselves in John chapter 15. Now, in John chapter 15 through 17, uh, we see Jesus talk a lot about his union with the Father and his union with those who believe in him. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of take a little break from John, and I want us to go deeper into this life-changing, freedom and joy-producing reality of our union with Christ. I tell you the truth. You will want to pay close attention this morning because I truly, truly, truly believe that there is nothing that we need more this morning than to see and understand our reality of being united to the person of Jesus Christ. At Providence Road, we have this mission which we talk a lot about, and that is to lead people to find freedom and joy. To be honest with you, this is not just some cute little tagline that we're supposed to have as a church. Leading people to find freedom and joy means everything to us. It's why we exist, because we believe that as human beings, this is what we need most, and this is what we seek and desire above everything else, to find freedom and joy. And we believe that it is found in the person of Jesus Christ, and our union with him shows us, and that we can taste and experience the reality of this freedom and joy. It's not just some theoretical thing that we talk about that we hope to one day experience and taste, but this morning, for those of you who are united to Jesus, he promises us that we already have the freedom and joy that we long for. And so this is my hope this morning, that as we go deeper into this reality of our union with Jesus, that the Father would give us eyes to see, to help us understand this glorious truth of what it means for us to be one with Jesus. As we're going to see, this is the foundation and heart of the gospel, our union with Jesus. Now, to give you kind of a heads up a little bit, this is... Uh, somewhat mysterious, our union with Jesus. And it's one reason why we don't really talk a lot about it. If you've grown up in the church, maybe this is your first time to really hear uh, what it means to be united to Jesus. It is kind of hard to understand, but I hope with God's grace and the text that he's given us this morning that we will walk out of here knowing and tasting and experience this reality and this good news that we have as, as being united and one with Jesus. So let's pray, and we'll jump right in. Father, we come before you, and we confess our dependency upon you. We confess our need for eyes to see, and we acknowledge and know that you are the only one who can open our eyes and to help us to see. 
So give us eyes to see what it means for us to be united to your son. And would you free us this morning from whatever holds our hearts and minds captive. For you promised us freedom in your son. Help us to know and see that we are free. And Father, that you would send waves of joy to wash over our hearts and minds and souls. For you promise us joy in your Son, that we may experience the joy of you, Lord. We ask this as your sons and daughters in your Son, Jesus. Amen. Now, some of you may know who Ralph Waldo Ellison is. I didn't really know who he was until I did some research on this. But he uh, is best known for his novel, The Invisible Man. And this novel won him the National Book Award in 1953. Now, during an interview, he was asked this question. Would you say that the search for identity is primarily an American theme? And he answered, it is the American theme. Now, even though this interview was done over 70 years ago, it is still true today. The search for identity is the American theme. It dominates our lives and our thinking. We will do whatever it takes to prove that we are somebody. Who we are or who we want to become consumes our minds and drives almost every decision that we make in our life because... The mindset that our culture tells us to be ultimate is you are what you make of yourself. And what you make of yourself determines your value and worth. And so what do we do? We look to our career accomplishments. We look to being a good parent. We, we look to social media. We look to politics. You name it. We search out all these things in our lives in hopes that we will find what we long for, and that is belonging, acceptance, status, value, and worth. But the question that we have to honestly ask ourselves this morning is how are they working out for us? Would you say that we are more satisfied and content today than we have ever been? Or are we more anxious, lonely, unsettled, than we have ever been before as a society. In our passage this morning, we're going to see a different and better way of thinking about ourselves than what the culture tells us and offers to us. We're going to see this identity that puts an end to this exhausting pursuit of finding our value, our worth, our acceptance, our security, our contentment in what we do. But instead, we're going to see that our identity, everything that we ever hope for and long for and need and want, is actually found in someone else. So let's look at verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing to Christians in the city of Colossae, he says this, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
So through the Apostle Paul, God is giving us this instruction. He's given Christians in the city of Colossae that instruction, and us the instruction this morning to seek and set our minds on things above. Now, the verb to seek means this continuous, ongoing effort. So what this means is, is that we are to make every effort to continually set our minds on Christ. It is this daily, moment-by-moment pursuit of making Jesus the dominant theme of what we think about. Now, this does not mean that we are to have our cloud, uh, head, minds in the, in the sky, our heads in the clouds, and no longer think about the things in our lives. But what Paul is doing, what he's instructing us in the Christians of Colossae, he wants to reshape our mindsets. He wants to take the focus off of themselves, off of ourselves, and instead place our focus on Jesus. Now, why is he doing this? He's doing this because at the center now of who they are is no longer defined by self. Their true identity is now found in the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ himself, because now Jesus is their life, which is what he says next. He says in verse 3, why should we set our minds on Christ? Why should we think about things that are above? He says, because you have died. You have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Guys, I cannot stress enough how critical and crucial this is for us to understand this morning. What Paul is telling them is that they have died and Christ is now their life. And so what this means is, is that now all that Christ is and all that he has done is now theirs. That's who they are now. Their true identity is no longer defined by their own lives or accomplishments or status or even their failures. Their true self is now found in someone else, Jesus Christ. Guys, this morning... If by faith you have been united to the person of Jesus, it is now Jesus who defines your life. You have been united to him in his death. You have died, and now Jesus is your life. And now all of his accomplishments, all of his successes, all of his performance is now yours. Pretty amazing, isn't it? We have been united to Jesus in his death, therefore we have died. Christ is now our life, and now everything that he is and everything that he has done now belongs to you and me. Every spiritual blessing that we have comes as a result of our union with Jesus. It is first and foremost that by faith we are united to Jesus, and as a result of being united to Jesus, Everything that he is and everything that he has done now belongs to you and me. Now, to explain this a little further, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to this. All praise to God the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, I can't say that, realms, realms, how? Because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose, chose us in Christ to be holy. Wow. Everything okay here? And without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. Why? It gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave all of our sin. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Isn't this amazing? Guys, everything that we ever hope for, everything that we ever long for and strive for in our life, we already have in Jesus. Because of our union with him, we have been given blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. None of us deserve any of it. But God is so kind and he is so gracious that he unites us to his son and all that Jesus is and all that he has done now belongs to you and me. As a result of being united to Jesus, we are no longer enemies of God, but God actually loves us and he likes us. That's hard for us to believe at times, isn't it? That maybe that God loves the person sitting next to me, sitting next to you, that he likes them, but me? In Jesus, we have the love of the Father, the same love that the Father has for the Son. Boom, it is on you. That's how much he loves you. We no longer have to carry around the, 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 the extreme weight of our guilt and shame of our past. For it doesn't belong to us anymore. Why? Because we have been forgiven of all of our sin as a result of being united to the person of Jesus. And that is good news. We no longer have to be prisoners. We're no longer prisoners of sin and death, which is our greatest enemies, that there's nothing that we can do to escape sin and death on our own, but as a result of being united to Jesus, man, we are free. We're free. This is who we are now. Why? How? As a result of being united to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in this passage, Paul uses a word that I love, and it's the word hidden. Now, let us think about this word for a second. When something is hidden, what happens? You can't see it, right? So what does it mean for us to be united to Jesus, or what does it mean for us to be hidden in Jesus? Well, you see this quarter? Some of you, if you have eyes like me, you can't, but uh, trust me, it's a quarter, all right? So let this quarter represent your life outside of Jesus. And let us take an honest look of ourselves outside of Jesus. What do you see? What do you, what do you see in your life outside of Jesus? I see a broken man who desperately desires to be noticed for my abilities and my accomplishments. Anyone with me? 
Like, I want to make a name for myself because I want significance. I want to matter in this life. But I'm constantly crushed by my failures. And I can never seem to measure up to the expectations of myself and the expectations that I think that other people had for me. And it's crushing. That's what I see. I see a discontented man who constantly looks to the next season of life to finally be happy, happy, satisfied, and content. You with me? And we're always thinking about what's next because we're miserable in this season of life. But I can never find what I'm looking for because that next season always lets me down. I see a life that is full of seeking the Father's stuff and never the Father. I see a a man who is in desperate need of forgiveness. This is who I am. And if you're honest with yourself, this is who you are. Now, this is Jesus. And Jesus comes to us, and he takes us, and he unites us to himself. And we are now hidden in him. What do you see? More importantly, what does God see? Right? When the Father sees you now hidden in his Son, what does he see? He sees his Son. God sees the perfect life of obedience that his son lived for him, and he sees the death that his son died in your place to forgive you of all of your sin. Christ covers you. You are hidden in him. He covers your shame. He covers your guilt. He covers your regrets. He covers you with his righteousness. And the Father now sees you as if you have obeyed all of his commandments and you are righteous in his sight. And he sees you as faultless and blameless. That's good news, right? It puts an end to our striving that we have to do these things in order for God to accept us. We are accepted as a result of being united to his son, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a religious culture where it says this is what you have to do in order to receive God's love and acceptance. I can never measure up because I can never do what is expected of me. But here comes Jesus and this truth that we are hidden in him and now we are accepted. Why? All because of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Talk about freedom. You are clean. You are loved. You are pure. You are a child of his. Why? Because you are hidden with Christ. Do you see this? Do you believe this? It's hard to believe, isn't it? And that's Paul's point. It's hard for us to believe what God says is true about us as a result of being united to Jesus. And that's why, through Paul, God gives us this instruction to seek and set our minds on the things of Christ because that's who we are. But it's really hard to believe at times. God graciously meets us in this place, guys, this morning, and he gives us his instruction. He says to us, seek what I see. 
Don't stop. Make every effort to continually set your minds on who you are as a result of being united to Jesus and hidden in him. Because here's the truth. What we set our minds on will determine what we believe. Let me say that again. What we set our minds on will determine what we believe. Because the fact is, you're going to believe something about yourself. Right? You're either going to believe what you think is true about yourself, what others think or say is true about yourself, or we are going to choose to set our minds on what God says is true about us in Christ. That's the challenge. That's the instruction. So the question is, what are we seeking? What dominates our minds as we go throughout the day? What captures our hearts? This is a serious question that we need to ask. And to be honest with you, it's a question that I have been wrestling with over the past several years. Now, I don't know if it's because I just realized that there are people in my gospel community that weren't even born when I graduated high school. Like this realization that I'm getting older. Or if it's because of the pain and challenges of life. It's probably both. But I've been in this place over the past couple of years, where I find myself truly asking the question, guys, what is all, what, like, what is the Christian life really about? What is all this about? Is it true? Am I just pretending? Like, what is the Christian life all about? And, and what's my purpose? And what's my identity? And how am I finally going to be satisfied and not look to the next season of life? Are you with me? Like, do you have these questions? It's okay to ask those questions. It's good questions. It's questions we should ask. I mean, I just find myself at, at, at this place at times where, I mean, I just want to be content with what I have, where I'm at, and what I've accomplished. Contentment. I, I, do, I would love to be content, but I never am. Like, I'm, 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 I'm like, in, captured by the if-onlys. If only this, and if only that, then finally... Man, I will finally get what I'm looking for, but the grass is never greener. Never greener. But to be honest with you, the Lord has brought me to this place. Not that I have finally arrived, nor will I ever fully arrive, but he has brought me to this place where my, my eyes are finally open. I finally see not like clear, 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 but I'm beginning to see that everything that I hope for and want and strive for in this life, I already have in Jesus. Purpose? To mean something, to be valued? To be loved, man, as I am and not as I should be or hope to be one day. But man, like right now as I am and all of my junk and failures, man, I want to be secure. I want to be content. I want to be free from shame. I want to be free from guilt. I want to be free knowing that I've got this purpose and this identity that I don't have to work for, but that I have, and now I'm free to live for Jesus and for his name and not for my name. I finally see it. Why? 
Because the Lord has brought me to this place over the past several years where I have been forced to ask these questions. And it's brought me to this place where more than ever before in my life, I have been seeking and I have been searching and setting my mind on this truth of who I am in Jesus. And it is through this journey that I am coming to this place where I'm actually now tasting more and more freedom and more and more joy as a result of focusing on Jesus, letting him define who I am, my identity, my purpose, and now the things that I used to care about, I'm beginning to care less about now. I mean, to be honest with you, like I was a pastor for 10 years and I stood before you and I desired and longed for your acceptance of how I did preaching. But this morning, honestly, I really don't care. And that's a good place to be. Because my value and worth ultimately is not found in what you think of me this morning. And I'm so grateful that he's released me from that. That ultimately... The Father sees me in his Son, and he sees you in his Son. And he loves you, and you're accepted, and you're righteous, and you're safe, and you're clean, and you're pure. Everything that you hope for and long for, we've got in Jesus. So, I don't really have much for you. As far as application or what you need to take from here, other than, man, set your minds on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Take these verses, and maybe it's just like one part of the, this passage. Maybe it's like you have died and Christ is now your life, and just dwell on that. It's not this magic bullet that's going to free you instantaneously. It's taken years and years and years, and it will take years and years and years. And actually, it will take eternity for us to understand this good news of our union with Jesus. But as we continue to set our minds on who we are in Christ and what, he, what that means and who, who he is for us and what we have in him, I promise you, you will begin to find more emotional and spiritual and mental health. And I've needed that. Anyone else need to be more mentally healthy? Emotionally and spiritually healthy? The cure is understanding who Jesus is for us and what we have in him. Maybe it's hidden in Christ. Just think about that. Use your imagination. See yourself hidden in Jesus and see who he is. And now that's who you are in him. If you go on, I don't have the verses up, but you can read them later. As you go through chapter 3 of Colossians, it tells us, all right, this is who we are in Christ. And then it follows up with instructions on how we are to live. It's like, all right, this is who you are now as a result of who you are, then live the way that you are. Live who you are, and that's like Christ. Put off the old self and put on the new self. And what does that new self look like? It looks like kindness and gracious and forgiving and love. Why? Because that's who Christ is. 
He unites us to himself, lives and dwells within us as who we are. So we focus on him, having our identity, and knowing who we are actually changes the way that we live. So as we leave this place, as you go throughout this week, take Colossians 3. As you drive in your car, as you walk to class, as you're at work, whatever you're doing, seek and set your minds on Christ because he is your life and you are hidden in him, which is the greatest thing and the greatest news we could ever hear. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you are so rich in kindness and grace that you have taken us, those of us who have rebelled against you, those of us who've lived lives that are constantly running from you and constantly using you for your stuff, you've taken us who are enemies of you and by your kindness and by your grace, you have brought us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for this. We praise you for your kindness and we praise you for your grace because none of us deserve it, but you've poured it out on us and we praise you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to understand who we are now as a result of being united to Jesus Christ. That we are loved and accepted and forgiven and righteous and clean and pure and faultless in your eyes. And may that free us that we may taste the joy of you, being united to you and being united to the Son, that we're all one. Help us to experience this reality as we go throughout this day, as we go throughout this week, as we go throughout the rest of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.